Are you looking for an inspiring listen? Something to motivate you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Women of the Northwest, where we have conversations with ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. Motivating, inspiring, compelling. Hey, hey, listeners. I'm your host, Jan Johnson, and I am so glad that you are here joining us. Welcome to episode 80. I just received the stats for this podcast for the 2023 year. And wait till you hear what you've helped accomplished. I'm not going to lie. I think it's pretty cool. We're ranked in the top 50%. Seattle is the most popular city with 266 listeners. Astoria, 257. Portland, 182. Seaside, 78. Kathlamet, 56. And we have listeners in 28 countries. The U.S. has 2,072 Germany 67. Hey, if you're in Germany, thank you for listening. (laughs) Or Philippines 31, Dominican Republic 23, and Mexico 22. So all you international people that are listening, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. The top episodes were one, Elizabeth Cole, Cultivating Skills and Cross-Cultural Connections. Two, Amanda Roan, Life as a Mortician, Dairy Farmer, Scandinavian Festival President, and Grange Event Organizer. Number three, Julie Gatano, Adventures Overseas and Beyond. Number four, Aaron Hulte, Become a Merchant Mariner. And five, Sayori de Bruin, Harmonious Voices Behind the Curtains of Opera. I'd say that's a pretty cool year and looking forward to even more exciting things next year. So today we'll have the pleasure of listening to Monica Seidel. I interviewed her before in episode 32, where she tells us all about her vision and projects in Belize, including a library, learning center, a playground, and more. She's a pretty incredible woman, and you're sure to enjoy catching up with her. So here we go. Okay, so Monica, tell me about your vision here. The college here has a very strong uh, business program, and they're focusing now on entrepreneurships and small business development to help students start looking towards starting their own businesses and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. And so as they're going through some of their business administration programs, um, we have looked at how we can help mentor them. They do have a business club, Mm -hmm. so people can be a part of a business club. They don't have to necessarily be in the business classes to even be part of the business club. We've started a Rotaract club here as well. And so a lot of those same students um, are finding the um, benefit of being in a business club, but also in a civic-minded mm-hmm, community mm-hmm. type club. And so because we have such a strong rotary club here in our community, we have a morning that meets at LCC and a noon one that meets um, at weekly. Okay. And, and so we want, of course, to encourage people to transition into rotary at some point. So supporting a college group um, as a Rotaract Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it starts overlapping that business piece yeah. of it. And so um, the business achievement center here that we have started to envision would also help with mentoring and mm-hmm. bringing students and mentors um, into one place and one space. So um, we're visioning out that on Mondays, we would have somebody from SCORE, which SCORE helps uh, mentor small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, on Tuesdays, we could have somebody that helps them write business plans and, you know, where do we go for permitting and just sits and people could come in and, yeah. and get that. But then also to have a recording studio here 
So with the brick walls, it's great for sound. And we've kind of created a little um, conversation um, seating area that mm-hmm. makes it warm and inviting. But then you could really sit and have interviews with faculty that are new. Um, right. You could, uh, we have a foundation, LCC Foundation. People want to know more about how they get involved or what the foundation does or yeah. where the dollars go to. So you could have little infomercials yeah. about that and promote LCC. And, you know, this room itself has a drop down screens, a, a, re- a video recorder up there so that if a teacher wanted to come in that teaches math classes mm-hmm. and be able to do live math problems, but record it, put it on a YouTube channel right. for LCC, students that are taking algebra would then have access at any time to go see some of the problems, practice problems, and it's always available for whatever there was chemistry, yeah, you name it, yeah. you could use that. And then with the idea that social media and recordings and I mean, everybody does TikTok videos now. Right. And so TikTok seems to be a way to go. But even 30 second commercials, right? You could, you could create this space to do 30 second jingles that the radio stations could even mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. <laughs> what a vision. Yeah. And, and LCC doesn't have a radio station. They don't have a media station. They don't have any of that. And so, yeah. you know, what a great way to keep people informed and connected. And well, even to set it up as a maybe an adjunct class, yes, um, you yeah. know, and and show that they can do that type of recordings right. and and those types. You know, LCC is really coming on strong too with their international programs. Mm. Uh, we have sister cities in Japan, and we have quite a few students that come from that. We now have a Korea connection, and we're establishing a, a connection with China. Um, so the, yeah, Chris Bailey, who's retiring at the end of the uh, month, actually for just a couple of weeks, he's really in the last 10 years, really brought the international program forward. So why not have commercials that advertise that, right. promote that, get the word out? Um, cause it's always about yeah. communicating and yeah. overly communicating. Yeah. And people always say, Oh, I didn't know there was anything to do in Longview. We hear that all the time. There's nothing <laughs> to do in Longview. Well, maybe not if you don't know about it. Right. So spreading the word. And like you said, maybe teaching a, a class on, mm-hmm. on how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and it, tell me again, what, what's your connection with the college and how did you get started with this idea? Um, it's amazing because with uh, the work that I do now with Kalitzwakayakum Council of Government, which is a mouthful, but they're a planning agency for the county. And so their focus is to get federal and state dollars into local projects. And so um, when I started with them a year and a half ago, it was on something completely different with transportation and broadband. And then we started having meetings here at LCC about broadband and about business. And um, they also focus on economic development. Well, for me, economic development being a previous banker and and all those business businesses that I had helped Mm -hmm. along the way, it just seemed to be seamless. So the right. faculty here, Mark Gaither, who is the advisor for, for the business department, um, he has just done a great job just coming alongside and we just bounce ideas off of each other. And so he had the space, he had the, um, the curriculum and the classes. And so we just keep talking about how we can build this out yeah. and, and truly be visionaries of you know where this goes. And with me working for 
you know, a, a council of government that focuses economic development, small business development, entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. You know, how do you get businesses up and running? How do you get them sustained? How do you get people into business? Because it is harder for people to start a business and, and marketing and, and marketing. Mm. Yes. And, mm. and so, so I started coming over here and my rotary classes meet here on Tuesdays. So then I would just come over here and meet with Mark after that. So we started doing some real strong strategizing as how we could move this program forward. And, and so with me writing grants through the government to be able to get small business mm-hmm. administration to give us grants to help some of the projects, um, the next two major ones, if I get awarded, I'll know by the end of this month, but I applied for one and um, it will focus on childcare gaps and needs in yeah. our community, how we can turn like even churches that, only run on Wednesday nights and Sundays, right. they've got a nursery, they've got a space there. You know, That's you've got how I a lot of my preschool. <laughs> and you've got yep. a lot of retired teachers. You've got a lot of people that maybe just for a couple hours a day in the afternoon, they could even have an after school program. Yeah. So starting to look really at how is that going to be creative in our community? We have what, six mills in our town that run rotating shifts 24 hours a day, not one daycare. Not one daycare that um, serves that type of a community. Yeah. No overnights, no nothing. And so what a disconnect. Mm-hmm. What, what a missed and Especially single parents. Exactly. You know, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and they're struggling. Right. And, um, and you start seeing more and more um, that um, women that even had the opportunity to go back to work, sometimes they can't. Right. They have nobody to take care of their child. Um, and so some of them have actually found space like in Head Start. LCC has a Head Start program. And so they have really, um, Mm. Head Start kind of branches out from here. Oh, And and so we've got locations in um, all over Cowlitz County. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, looking at the, some of the women that used Head Start to start taking care of their kids also got absorbed into it to start working at it Mm -hmm. because they couldn't find any other employment that was flexible yeah. in that way. Yeah. So, and then the other one is culinary. Um, oh, so many of the businesses in town said what we need to be able to hire people to work in our restaurants and we can't find them. And if they come in off the street, they don't have kitchen skills and uh-huh. knife skills and yeah. we don't want them to lose a finger on the first week of the job. <laughs> and so we used to have a nonprofit called grounds for opportunity. That was almost like a training kitchen, but it was, and they still do meals on wheels, 1400 meals a week. Oh. They, they send out the kitchen, but they had a front end restaurant that they used to train people that were coming out of, um, incarceration mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. just entering the workforce coming out of, you yeah. know, and, and she had an 80% success rate placing oh those gosh. people. That is awesome. And, and they closed during COVID. So trying who to was get that, that. Who was heading that up? CAP. So Lower Columbia um, CAP, which is for our um, low income. And um, yeah. yeah, they they own That's brilliant. The, the business. And so they were, yeah, they had a great training center to train hostesses, kitchen staff, wait staff, all of that. And, and we lost that asset during COVID. So trying to get that back, trying to get, you know, let's just use the college maybe. And now we're going to actually use, um, Longview parks and rec. They're a little bit easier to to do a, a four week course of culinary. We have a kitchen 
a commercial kitchen called Gifted Kitchen, and she's willing to use the space. She was doing cooking classes before, but now these cooking classes will be on purpose, uh-huh, training uh-huh. the next generation. Right. And then maybe after that, an, a month later, we would do um, soup starters and appetizers mm-hmm. and, and do a whole course and, and have the restaurants around here even send some of their employees that want that next level. Right. And, and so just getting that whole culinary circle started again. That's brilliant. Um, Kelso junior high and high school have culinary classes. After those kids graduate high school, they don't have any place to go on to. Um, also they need to have projects. So we're looking at using the high school students to do prepping for the Meals for Wheels Grounds for Opportunity location. Yeah. So they can prep the stuff, bring it over to the location right there in Kelso, and they can actually um, fix up some of the um, foods as grab-and-go foods as yeah. well for um, keto-restricted, diabetic-restricted, because ah, they yeah. have to have special dietary yeah. needs for a lot of these Meals on Wheels yeah. people. So why not bring it to that next level where people in the community could even stop and pick up $10 grab and yeah. go reheat later. Yeah. And there's not as much waste because they're frozen, but they're fresh frozen TV right. dinners in, right. in essence. Right. Um, so working on that project with um, lower Columbia cap, um, cause they got a grant to do some of that specialty food service, but they don't have enough staff to do it. So using the students at else at um, Kelso, they're in a learning situation and mm-hmm. learning an environment. They've got to practice on something. Right. Where does all that food go that they're practicing on? And so putting those um, connections together and really building it out to go, okay, this could really use the school level, use the college mm-hmm. level, use the enter into the workforce mm-hmm. level and, and create something. Meld them all together. Yep, exactly. Your community is lucky to have you. I love this. This gets me so excited too. It's like your brain's like popcorn. Yes. <laughs> and then we can do this, we can do this, and we can do this. Yep. The Ethnic Support Council here in town that helps with our Hispanic community and all our ethnic, we have about 13% ethnicity besides the white Caucasian. And uh, we have Vietnamese, it's like three three or 4% uh, with Vietnamese and Korean, and then the Hispanic community. And then we... So Monica, tell me about some of your local nonprofits that you think are amazing. Oh, so there is, there's a lot here in Long Beach, Kelso area. <clears throat> we do have the 100 Women Who Care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also involved with Altrusa, mm-hmm. uh, our Altrusa club. Uh, focuses on literacy a lot of times um, locally, and we do backpack buddies where we fill the food to, mm-hmm. for the kids to take home. Um, they're actually the ones that were my first umbrella for the Belize Blessings projects. Oh, okay, they um, I didn't want to have to start my own nonprofit to just do something that I didn't know how long I was going to be mm-hmm. involved with it. That was just going to be the library that we were going to open, and um, and so being a part of Altrusa allowed me to be able to, to do those types of things. And, um, and then we actually came up with a whole vision and mission statement for Belize blessings through that project, because I said, you know, I don't want to just do the library. It's up and running, but it really, our little community needed education mm-hmm. and health and safety. And when you've got a three-legged stool like that, you've got a stronger community. Right. And so, so now that the 
library runs six days a week. Um, I just, we bought the ambulance in February from donations through <laughs> Kiwanis and Rotaries and those types of and things. And that was kind of a miraculous way it, that it, all fell together. It really was. I mean, the fact that I just made the commitment um, Christmas week last year, exactly one year ago, um, and said the village chairman and the area representative strongly said that they really need an ambulance. Um, and I think that should be the next focus because my husband who keeps me grounded said, you have too many projects, <laughs> just focus on one thing. And it became the ambulance. And so once I made that commitment within two hours of calling Belize and telling them that when I went to work, my coworker said, my husband's station is selling an ambulance. Here it is for, you know, $10,000. Go, go talk to him. And we were just amazing. I, I mean, it was honestly in, in two hours time, it went from an idea. And, and once you put the fleece out there and once right. you absolutely say, this is what I'm going for. And this is what God has put on my heart and everything fell in place in two hours. I, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> when so God steps in and yeah, goes, here yeah. you go. And, yeah. and, oh, by the way, did you want us to drop the price? And, oh, by the way, um, can we make a payment plan for three months? Cause I told them I don't have the money today, but I'll have it in the next yeah. three months. We had it in half of that time. Well. We had it in less than six <laughs> weeks, fully paid for. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that doesn't happen unless God steps in and, exactly. and, and opens those doors. And on my way home that day, um, I had called my husband and said, honey, guess what we're, we're buying for Christmas. And I, he said, what? I said, an ambulance. He goes, you gotta be kidding me. Wait, it's my wife. You're not kidding. Are you? No, I'm not. Um, but through that journey, I have found, um, a local, a nonprofit called hero saver. And his name is Charles Jones. He worked as a fireman in Castle Rock. He lives here in Longview locally, but now he works up out of an Olympia fire station and he collects old firefighting equipment huh. and he pallets them and then he takes them personally to Mexico and to other third world countries. It's just him and about like four other guys huh. or people that really have just pulled together. And so they have a website, they have a nonprofit, they're a 501c3 yeah. and and he's he actually lives four blocks over from where we live. Cause <laughs> during this process, when I got online and started looking for other nonprofits, um, and then said, wow, oh my gosh, you do this. Okay. Um, uh, and he said, well, when I'm getting donated items from these fire stations, sometimes they're a EMT location as well. And he goes, I don't do anything with the medical side of it. Uh -huh. I know firefighting. I know fire equipment. And you can have all of my medical equipment. And I went, are you kidding me? Here you go. So I still have not met him in person. Oh, I've talked to him on the phone. My husband's met him in person because he's dropped off a whole bunch of stuff yeah. with us. The pediatrician from Child Adolescent Clinic that went on our voluntation trip uh -huh. that I hosted, she's met him and she met up with him and got a whole bunch of equipment that we loaded into the ambulance. It's going to be like the the family reunion of a family yeah. member you've just found Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once I finally get to meet him. And so we're trying in the next few weeks to actually meet up, but four blocks from me. Wow. And, and I wow. didn't even know he was there. And so now being able to overlap and help. And then I found a nonprofit out of Olympia and they're called impact Northwest mm -hmm. and they traveled to Ukraine and they've set up a 
Beacon 911 service in Belize, but mm. it's 990. That's the number they use down there. But they're a nonprofit. And mm. a lot of those guys are from either FEMA or um, from other walks of life where mm. they've done different trips to help with um, disasters. Oh. And so, so they've, they're a nonprofit as well. And when I found them and the connection with Belize, I didn't have a chance to meet them in the U.S. I met them in Belize. I'm like, how do we live an hour from each other in the U.S., Longview to Olympia, and we have to go all the way to Belize? But I had the connections in Belize of my area representatives, my chairmans. I I have, because I live there and I'm a connector, I have all of these connections. And that's what they needed because they were doing community assessments, disaster relief assessments of, we think this is what's gaps and missing and needed. And this is the type of training. So they went down there and they were training the fire service rescues. They were showing them how to do, um, like if there's raining and hurricane and mass flooding, this is how you do rescues. Um, and so they have went back and forth, but setting up that beacon service, we now have a emergency service in Belize that they've never had before. Wow. And, and I just went, wow. Okay. Well then here's the next step forward. I'm trying to uh, build out the medical clinic that's already there, but make it more of a, um, better functioning Mm -hmm. and, and more, um, robust because even though it's a remote medical clinic, they don't have a doctor at it mm. because 12 miles away is the hospital. They want to be able to serve from the hospital and they just don't have enough doctors in the country to, uh, to run yeah. an, an, an additional medical clinic. Yeah. And so now I'm working with them trying to see how we can even do telemedicine and telehealth oh, yeah. Yeah. and maybe have just a doctor rotate up two days a week yeah. and then have the connections with some of the doctors that are coming to do volunteer work that if they build this relationship with them, they could even phone a friend and 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 right. tell a tell a meet a doctor about what's you know right. I haven't seen this before. What do you think about yeah. this? And yeah. reach out and have that connection yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah. And and so then I said, you know, I got the ambulance down there. This is this is a success. But now I have. Um, an optometrist in town, um, Terry <laughs> Tack. He, his son Jeff, has an optometry business. He has dad's business, and he's from Rotary as well. They had to. Terry's gotten older and has some health issues. They had to close the secondary office in Wakayakum County. They have an entire office of optometry equipment, willing to donate to me the optometry chair, the all of this to go down to our medical clinic. And actually build one of the exam rooms into an optometry room. Oh my gosh. And I said, I'll take it. And he said, you just got to figure out how to get it there and you can have it. I oh, said, I just had practice getting a, an ambulance down there. So and that's I, I might like, be able to figure this out. I, I was like, okay, I, I got the ambulance down there. Well, now here comes Belize Heroes that is in the U.S. nonprofit 501c3 that this gentleman that was Belizean moved up to Virginia, East Coast, 20, 25 years ago. But he's still helping with his country training firefighters, training paramedics and EMT. And he's been going back and forth. He has gotten the Air Force 
to fly <laughs> ambulances and fire trucks from the East Coast to oh Belize. God. And it's some previous senator's name that this program is under, and it's his namesake, but they're still doing it twice a year. The Air Force flies into Belize, no cost to the nonprofits. <laughs> and I went, okay, now I have another connection to another nonprofit. That's and he's on the other end going, Wait till I tell you about this gal in Washington that I just met. <laughs> right? And, and so I'm like, okay, now I got optometry equipment. I've got a fireman that wants to give me the medical stuff. I've got this happening. And that. And then I'm like, okay, so what do you guys need for help? And they're like, some of it is funding. We've got these projects mm. we want to do, but we don't always have the funding. And I'm like, okay, well, Let's look at maybe writing a, a larger rotary grant because we can do a global grant. There's two rotary clubs in Belize, really close oh, to right. where we live, yeah. and they have a Rotaract. They have a college group huh. that's very active. Huh. So then we start getting the college involved. We start getting the students from here to connect with the students down mm -hmm. there and maybe someday set up an exchange program. Yeah. And so my next trip um, in May... I, I'll be going down in April, but the team, the volunteer, and so this is for you as well. The volunteer team will be um, should be coming down May fourth, so may the fourth be with you. Okay, it's also my five year wedding anniversary, <laughs> but um, but we're going to focus on the police. The next, and I promised my husband I would not work on any projects until January first because I had to get through Christmas. I came home three days before Thanksgiving and I said, I'll celebrate the holidays with you. I won't work on any of my pet projects until January. <laughs> or any 1. new ones. Right. Or any new ones. And then all of a sudden, two days after I was home, I'm in Kalama at the Chamber of Commerce luncheon. And so for work, and I'm in the room with a whole bunch of people from Kalama. And there was a couple of uh, police officers there because they were going to help with the parade um, for the holiday parade. Yeah. And I said, you know, your guys's Kalama ambulance is in Belize and it's going to be saving lives and doing all that. And they're like, oh, that is amazing. And I said, <laughs> my next trip is going to be focusing on reopening a satellite police station in our community. It's there, but it is rat, bat, crap infested. Yeah. We're just going to clean it up like we did the library <laughs> done it once. I can do it again. <laughs> But it's going to be a, a police station and any police officers that want to go on the next trip. And so yeah. they're like, oh, that's great. Well, uh, Mark Wilson from the port walked up and he goes, Monica, that gentleman right outside in the lobby did not hear what you were just talking <laughs> about. And he trains police officers internationally. Go take your business card and go out in the lobby and talk to him right now. And I'm like, OK, so I take my little police blessings business card. I run out of the lobby. And I introduced myself and I'm like, oh, so Mark told me to talk to you and, and I used his name and, and this is what I do. And, and so my next trip is going to be this and I'm so excited about all of this and da, da, da. And he goes, well, that's wonderful. He goes, I just got back from the U Ukraine. He goes, actually, I do, um, I, I have my own nonprofit and yes, I do a lot of internationally training with police officers and stuff. He goes, but I actually do, um, uh, rescues. And I said, rescues, he goes, child and women trafficking rescues. Oh, my word. And I said, excuse me. And he goes, it's called silent bridges. It's a 501c nonprofit. Yeah. I'm in Kalama talking <laughs> to a man that just got back from rescuing. He goes, you know, that movie, the sound of freedom. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And he goes, that's not me. 
but my silent bridges is very similar. He goes, we have four safe houses set up internationally. I'm opening another safe house in Bogota, Colombia, but we do child and women oh trafficking rescues. The guy that I met is from Colama and he uses a, a different name so that it's protected and private. But at the same time, what an amazing story to know that somebody right here in Kalama has a nonprofit yeah. that people can donate to and participate with. And you can go out on the website to Silent Bridges and it's right there. And there's live podcasts of him recording because people have interviewed him. Mm. But at the same time, I, I thought I knew a lot of people in our community and it just surprises me every time that I hear another yeah. nonprofit uh, hero saver with Charles Jones. I'd never heard of him impact Northwest that d- does all of the um, disaster reliefs and goes internationally and they take volunteers and mm-hmm. they, they do these things and they've created the beacon service and in, in Belize for having uh, and a beacon service is really like a 911 service. Mm-hmm. And, and so w- when you start, talking to all of the nonprofits, you know, you don't want to compete with them. You just want to help yeah. uh, connect them and help say, okay, this is what I'm working on. What do you, you've got? How can we help you? How yeah. can we support you? You know, sometimes it's money, but sometimes it's also resources and sometimes it's connections mm-hmm. and, and knowing different officials that are, you know, for me, it's trying to get the supplies sometimes to Belize. Okay. Well, Belize Heroes is a nonprofit <laughs> again from the United States that, that does those types of yeah. things, helping EMTs and paramedics and training. And so just yeah. finding all of those different resources that are available and, um, and connecting Cowlitz Spotlights. It's a website now where you can do your business, but at least it's getting the spotlight out of it it's getting the notice because mm-hmm. people don't know what they don't know. But they're not and going. even, yeah, even just the, the knowledge of it being there, but you know, I mean, 25 bucks can maybe your 25 bucks is just what they need right there. And that's, you know, every little bit is more than they had, <laughs> you know, whatever you can do to help out with it. I, I agree. Yeah. Every little yeah. bit counts. And um, it is amazing how just those little pieces, when we do the hundred women who care, and I don't know if you do the same thing in, Cal- in Clatsop County, when we do it, we're asking nonprofits to bring their materials and their literature mm-hmm. to yeah. share what they do. Because sometimes even if they're not the ones that win the money, yeah, they can connect with somebody else in the room that night that is collecting coats or shoes or exactly. or some other types of one of ours just needed some a, a location to store their supplies <laughs> you know yeah. so that was something. yeah so yeah. there's all kinds of different ways to get involved and to help and it's not always financial right right okay well monica thank you thank you <laughs> for sharing uh, your updates with us and uh, this will be fun and we'll put all those information in the show notes so And maybe a year from now, we'll talk again. Again (laughs) and again. Right? The gift that keeps giving. (laughs) Yes. Monica is amazing, right? I love her energy and vision. If she mentions something you have expertise in or would like to help out Belizeable, links are in the show notes. I'm hoping to go on her trip to Belize in May. Maybe you'd like to join me. She mentioned some local nonprofits. Since it's the end of the year, you might be thinking you'd like to donate to some nonprofits to take advantage of tax write-offs. We'll hear from a few others as well. As you know, I am our local founder of 100 Women Who Care, where we showcase three local nonprofits each quarter. 
Here are a few that we featured over the last year and a half, and links will be in the show notes to these for any of them that may make your heart sing. I have Trudy Brawley here from Coast Pregnancy Clinic. Hi, Trudy. Hello. <laughs> Tell us about Coast Pregnancy Clinic. What do you do here? I am the executive director here at Coast Pregnancy Clinic. Coast Pregnancy Clinic is a um, a pregnancy clinic that is providing free pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, parenting classes, material aid to women and families in our area. What type of material aid? What does that mean? We can provide diapers, baby wipes, clothing up to about 2T. We have furniture. We have hygiene products. We also pr- can provide maternity clothes for f- free. We have um, baby formula that we always um, give out for free also. And uh, you do some classes too, right? We do. We call those um, Earn While You Learn program or our Bright Course classes. Those are classes that they can watch anything from um, conception, taking care of mother um, during pregnancy, after pregnancy. There's first, second, third trimester, and then they break it up after after birth into um, newborns, toddlers, and it moves up through there. There's also life skills classes that they can do. And are fathers able to take these classes too? Yes, they are. We have just recently in the last year started um, a fatherhood program. We have gentlemen here that are willing to, not willing to, they want to meet with these men and they want to um, encourage them and support them and offer practical advice to becoming the best dad that they can be. We would love prayer. Um, That's the most important thing. Come in and learn about us. We give tours to the clinic so that you can really see what we're doing. And volunteers, do you need volunteers? We could always take volunteers. So then we could, um, I'd love to just meet, sit down and talk with you, really give you an idea of what we're doing so that you can can really determine if this is the place for you. Here's an update from Wildlife Center of the North Coast. This is taken from their newsletter that came in my email. Here's another inspiring release story. We recently released the last of our 2023 myrrh, jumpling, and juvenile patients. Most were admitted in August as jumplings, which is similar to fledglings, but they don't fly yet. They jump down to the water from their cliff nesting spot, and the male parent teaches them how to forage for fish. WCNC received a lot, 10 myrrh intakes in one day on August 18th of jumplings and juveniles between July and October. In past years, we have seen a higher rate of mortality, but this year we had 19 jumplings survive to release. It was a lot for our pools to handle. Myrrhs were housed inside together until they were stable, self-feeding, treated for parasites and waterproof. They were moved to outdoor pools after that to live on water full time. Murs were fed herring and were encouraged to engage in natural behaviors by diving for their fish 
as well as social behavior such as allopreening. Criteria for release. Birds must be waterproof, self-feeding, diving, and in good body condition. The MERS were released in two groups. Bar pilots of Warrington released 10 from their boat in October. WCNC staff released the rest from a boat in early December. We want to also mention a genuine thank you to all of our volunteers, staff, and supporters who helped make this happen. If you're interested in helping at the WCNC, whether that's volunteering, sitting on the board, or making a donation, your support matters. Thank you for your continued support. Okay, so I'm including uh, links in the show notes. So for any of these nonprofits that you might be interested in, you can go to their website and uh, make donations. I'm sure they'd appreciate any amount just to keep them going. So, and here's an update from North Coast Food Web, which is located in Astoria. So they have a kitchen and storage manager, Andy Catalano, who brought handwritten versions of two maps to their board meeting to explain why storage and transportation are such key parts of our programs. I'll give a link to looking at those maps because it is pretty interesting. The before is pretty befuddled. The after is pretty direct. Each number of those graphs is a food producer, one who used to spend a lot more time than they do now driving their food around, burning fossil fuels, money, and precious time that is much better spent farming, ranching, baking, and any other good thing. Now Brenda Vassau from Low Tide Farms, for instance, can deliver her pork to us only once a month instead of once a week, saving a two-hour round trip. We then distribute those foods that have been stored with us through our own online farmer's market to food routes down in Tillamook, to the Klaskanai Food Hub and other outlets. Multiply that time and logistics savings by the 10 producers represented in Andy's maps, and we have an impactful new program featuring shelving, a very large walk-in freezer, and a little paperwork. Storage doesn't sound very sexy, but the definition of a food hub is all about food aggregation and distribution. We are only a hub because we can gather food together, safely stored until you are ready to have those amazing pork chops for dinner. Because that story is central as the truck drives, if not as the crow flies, to our three-county hub network. And CFW has become the waste station. Bonus. We are also lowering the carbon footprint of our local food system, in addition to de-stressing the lives of producers and staff members alike. So let me tell you about CASA. CASA stands for Clatsop Court Appointed Special Advocates. They train community volunteers to stand up for abused and neglected children. Their advocacy helps ensure that these children have the best possible chance for a safer, more secure home life. What they do investigate all relevant information about the child, CASAs carry out an objective, systematic examination of the situation, including history, environment, relationships, and needs of the child, facilitate by identifying resources and services for the child, encouraging a collaborative relationship between all parties involved in the case, and helping to create a comprehensive plan by which the child's needs can be met. Advocate for the child by ensuring that all the facts pertaining to the child are understood, articulated, and brought to the attention of the court. Monitor the case to ensure that all parties fulfill their responsibilities to the child in a timely fashion and comply with the court's orders. 
CASAs stay with the case from beginning to end and work to ensure that children don't get lost in the system. CASAs are a diverse group of well-trained community volunteers who are appointed by the juvenile court to represent the best interests of children involved in the child welfare system. CASA volunteers have been serving abused and neglected children in Clatsop County since 1992. CASA volunteers advocate for between 90 and 100 children, and they have a list of children who are waiting for a CASA volunteer. CASAs also help to focus community attention on local issues of child abuse and neglect. They also have an opening for a program manager. Send your resume to CASA at clatsopcasa.org. If you enjoyed this or any other of my podcast episodes, it would be amazing if you would take a few minutes to leave a review so others can find it. Transcripts are available on my website at jan-johnson.com. Please join me again next week. <music>